Welcome to the Bond, uh, Bond Sunday Morning Services. I am Jesse Lee Peterson, the Explore Your Faith Hour. Thank you so much for being with me, folks. You can call in if you like or email. We can answer, I can answer your question as it is happening live right now. And also, again, good morning, everybody here. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. That's pretty cool. I want to talk about... Uh, what do you cover up your pain with? What do you use to cover up your pain? I want to get into that, but first let me tell you that I was up in uh, Seattle, Washington yesterday. I flew up on Friday to do a, uh, a TV show, a Christian show, a TV show, and also on Saturday morning I spoke at a, uh, uh, I spoke to a group of folks. And uh, it was very, very interesting. Um, I learned a lot from it, and um, I realized that all of us have the same problems. There are no new problems. They're all the same and caused by the same reason. And, and I know that we tend to think that we're the only one with problems. Or maybe our problem is worse than the other person, but it's not. It's the same. And so it was very, very interesting. Um, I got in late last night, of course. I had a hard time getting up this morning. I was, like, so sleepy this morning. I got up and prayed and kind of laid back down. I was out of it. And something took my arm and shook it. <laughs> it just woke me up. I just said, thank you, and got up for the second time. Isn't that weird? You ever had that happen to you? Like somebody shake you or wake you up or call your name? Yeah, that's, that's weird, like, because I don't use an alarm clock at all. I'd rather trust that whatever it is. I think it's an angel because we do have angels watching over us all the time. We have angels assigned to us, and that's true. That's not like an Oprah, Oprah moment or nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> but coming back from driving to the airport, from the event to the airport yesterday, the weather up there is changing. It's cold. It's getting cold and rainy light. But I noticed how beautiful the trees were. Like, there were trees that were red, that turned absolutely red. And then there were those that were yellow and, and orange and green. I'm like, wow, those are some beautiful trees. We don't see that here in Los Angeles because of the weather. But it was absolutely beautiful. And I thought, I wonder what, what it really looks like in heaven. I bet it's just mind-blowing to see this in heaven because the earth is created in the image of heaven. So I bet you it's absolutely amazing. But those trees, and the man was trying to talk to me, the preacher man that was driving me, and I didn't want to talk about that stuff. I want, I'm like, look at these trees. Look how beautiful they are. But he wasn't that interested. <laughs> um, and so we get to the airport, Doug and I, he, my, uh, my body guy went with me, and we're sitting in the airport, I'm looking out the window, and I'm thinking, it just occurred to me, Life is perfect, just the way it is. It, just, it was just all over me, and I wanted to, like, boo because I realized that life is absolutely perfect. And I said to Doug, wow, Doug, isn't life perfect, just the way it is? And he looked at me and started laughing. <laughs> he said, whatever. <laughs> I believe it may be possible, but I don't know for sure. But you can know for sure that life really is absolutely perfect. Do you guys agree that life is perfect? No? Just one person? Uh, two. And we keep on counting. We'll get three. <laughs> I do want to say, though, if you have any anger at all, you don't know that life is perfect. You cannot know. Now, you'll believe me when I say it, but you don't know it for a fact. Because if you knew it, you wouldn't have anger. 
there wouldn't be nothing to be mad about. Nothing to be mad about at all. So if you raise your hand and you have anger, you just lie. <laughs> you don't know that if you don't have if you have anger. You really don't. And now I know it's you can believe it when I say it or someone says it, but if you have anger, you don't know it for sure. Because it's nothing like what my words are describing it as being. It's nothing like that. There are no words to describe what a perfect life is. It's really not. So just if you have anger, just know you really don't know. All right? Just FYI. But life is perfect. Another thing I realize is that our first love is our first hate. Our first love is our first hate. Have you ever noticed that? That's I will too. That's a good question. Explain it, he said. Um, but have anybody ever noticed that? Just FYI for me. The same people that notice about the no. <laughs> oh, let me go here with the mic. What do I mean by our first love is our first hate? It seems to me the way the way I see it, our um, our love is based on our ego. So we so we always reach for something that comforts us. That's, to me, that is our first love. Okay. And it turns out to be our first hate as well. Okay. Sounds good, but wrong. But yeah, right. The meaning of it is right. But what you just said is not what I'm talking about. And the reason I'm pointing that out because last week we had this very, very interesting discussion, and I want to pick up on that in a minute, about how the knowledge of good and evil set you up to think you know something. And it was so interesting. We'll get back to that. What I mean by our first love is our first hate. Our parents are our first love. When we were first born, we love our parents, don't we? But by the time we were 16, we hate our parents. Have you noticed that? I don't know. And some start even before 16. But I have been doing this work for 23 years in the public. And I've spoken to churches all races of churches, interviews, whatever. I have not met one person. I'm not saying there's not one person somewhere in the earth that don't hate their parents. But I have not met one person, whether Christian or non-Christian, that don't hate their parents. Some are overcoming it and have overcome, but they had love and then they had hate for their parents. And to me, that's very interesting. And what what made me think about it, it occurred to me this morning because I spoke yesterday, and, and this is not putting anyone down. I'm just saying, I notice that when I go to different churches, they have song and praises before the, the speaker get up, whether it's the preacher or whomever, right? And so they're like, people, the churches all over are really like praising the Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, praise you, Jesus. You know, hallelujah, just worshiping the Lord. I used to go through that. Anybody ever done that? Worshiping the Lord before the preacher get up, singing holy songs and hallelujah. And then the preacher gets up and speaks, and everybody hooping hollow that. And yet they have this hatred going on in their heart. 99% of the time it's for the parents. And the reason I know that is because everywhere I've spoken, I've talked about forgiveness. I always put forgiveness in there because I know most people have not forgiven. And they want to be free. They don't want to have these problems, but they have not forgiven. And I speak about the parents first because our parents are the first one that we hate. And, and then we are afraid to acknowledge that we hate our parents because who want to admit that you hate your parents? You, know? you don't want to hurt their feelings. You, you, know, you, just, you don't know how they're going to react to it. And so our first love is also, for most people, the hardest love to admit that we now hate. And I know parents don't mean to make their children hate, but they do. They really do. And, and, because, and the reason for it is that they have so many problems of, of anger and resentment that they have not dealt with either as adults. They didn't, no one said, you got to get over this because you don't want to pass it on to your children. So it go undealt with, and they, 
unintentionally ended up passing on to their children because it is a spirit and you can't help but pass that spirit on if you have it inside of you. It controls you. You have no authority over it. It has made a home in you and it makes you do the things that you don't want to do. And I know parents want to love their children, but it's, you can't if you have unforgiveness in your heart. It really doesn't work. It's just a reality, and if you can face that reality, you can get over it. But if you're in denial about it, uh, you will not get over it. I remember I spoke at a, a place about a month ago, and when I walked into the place, you were, I mean, Satan would tell me, everybody here is fine. You know, just get up and say your little thing, shut up and leave. And so I got up, and I, this was a while back, and, and the people were nice people. Now, just because you make your children hate you and stuff like that, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you have a wicked spirit. You know, you're the son or daughter of Satan and don't know it. You know what I'm saying? And so I get up in this place about a month ago now, and I talk about forgiveness. And, of course, they were trying to get me not to talk about forgiveness. And I talked about where it comes from. It starts with our parents. And... I said to the young folks in there, you got to let it go. you got to stop hating your parents because you're going to do to your children what we're done to you. And look, in my physical eyes, it looked like no one in there had that problem because they're all dressed up, looking really nice, all holy. You know, they have done the buck dance just before the service. You know, the preacher got up. And so Saint said, that's not a problem here. And I didn't, normally I ask for questions, but this time I didn't. But after that meeting was over, almost every, and there, it was packed with people, almost every young person in that meeting came around me and said, I love what you said. I thank you for what you said. And then they got, each individual got into telling me how much they hated their parents. Each and every one of them. One, one girl told me, I, I hate my father, and my father hate me. And she said, I'm into porn, pornography as a result of that. I'm addicted to pornography. I just can't help myself. And now I'm hated for that. I hate myself for it. One, one uh, girl said, uh, I hate my parents because they divorced. And now my father's married to somebody else. And my mother got a boyfriend. I know I shouldn't hate them, but I do. And I told her, you know, I understand that kids cannot have step parents. Kids, if, if, if you're old enough to have a child and you end up divorcing, you should be old enough to give yourself to your children and not go and hook up with somebody else because they don't want that. And they are jealous when they see their parents giving attention to another man or another woman because they want that. They can't help but want that. But the parents are so selfish that they'll get into themselves and not, and not think about what the kids are going through. And if the kids complain about it, they'll get mad at the kids. You don't understand, you know. Mommy need love, too. Or daddy need love, too. How dumb is that, right? I remember having a stepfather, a nice man, really a nice man. And he tried to be my father, and I didn't want him to. Inwardly, I rejected it. And he was a good man. He tried his best. But I rejected it. I just, in my soul, I wanted my dad. I didn't identify with this man. I identified only with my father. And that's what kids want, but adult selfish parents don't care. And I think they care, but they haven't gotten over their own problems. And they end up creating more hatred toward their children, I mean, causing their children to hate them even more so. It just goes on and on and on. But those kids gathered around me and told me so much stuff, it almost brought me to tears. But they were afraid to say it out loud, you know, because I guess the parents would yell at them or something, or they don't want to hurt the parents' feelings. And I say this because I want parents, I want adults to get over it. If you believe in God, if you truly believe in God, you got to get over this, especially if you're talking about having children, because all you're doing is passing it on to the next generation, and you can't help yourself. Not that you want to, but you can't help it. And then I notice most preachers don't even deal with the hurt that the congregations uh, that their congregations are going through. They'll just get up there and preach all this stuff, and then people are suffering, and you run a risk by doing it because a lot of times some, some members are not going to like you for it. 
because now you got to tell them the truth as to how to get over it, and they're not going to put money in the basket once they get mad. Oh, let me take up collection first before I t- start talking about you guys. Can we do the offering first? No, I'm kidding. Uh, so I, I just bring this up because I noticed the, our first love is our parents, and our first hate is our parents. And if you don't want to admit it, that's on you. You'll just suffer. And you'll destroy your life and destroy your children's life. But it is a reality. And I'm not saying all. There always an exception to the rule. I realize that. But I don't know anyone who doesn't hate their parents. And I don't know anyone that knows anyone that knows anyone or heard about anyone that don't hate their parents. So just FYI stuff. Anybody disagree with that? Nobody disagree? Oh, that's deep. Do you disagree first before we come to you? Are you serious or are you trying to pull one? Well, you know, I just, um, in my family, when I First of all, you disagree with me? Um, That our first love is our first hate? No, you know, I know my first first love love was my parents, parents, but. I'm sorry? I know my first love was my parents. I agree with that. Let me first ask, do you agree or disagree? Well, I, I, I don't know if I agree because um, um, I, I remember um, I, I really had conflict with my, with my brothers, sisters, and I really, we hated each other a lot. And so when you say the first hate is your parents, you know, I, they were disappointing me, but I really had a lot of conflict with my brothers and sisters. Disappointment from a parent is hatred from a parent. Because as kids, we don't understand that our parents are not perfect. So when they make one mistake or they do something silly or they cause you to be angry, that's where the hatred starts. If they spoil you or whatever they do, that's where the hatred starts. Disappointment is, is resentment for parents. Oh, that's true. Because when they would correct us, they, they really always went with the oldest is always wrong and the youngest is always right because you should know better kind of thing and that would be frustrating yeah they could never really just do the solomon thing and figure out what was who was right and who was wrong they didn't even want to mess with it most of the time they just wanted us to both shut up you know that kind of thing yep absolutely that was frustrating whereas a parent is supposed to be like a brick wall absolutely patient with you you know and and deal with whatever you throw out and that doesn't mean they don't correct you, you know, be strong in correction, but they're not, they're not, they don't have room to allow their kids to see that they're impatient. The worst, one of the worst things that a child can endure is impatience from a parent. It would be like me or you as a Christian enduring impatience from Christ. Can you imagine going to Christ with your issues and he's like, oh, go sit down. I already told you that one time. You know, leave me alone. I had to go on a date. Can you imagine Christ being that way with us? And so we are his example, and if we are his example, we have to be that way too. And don't let anyone tell you that you're not supposed to be that way. That that's not the way. It is the way it's supposed to be. Christ came and everything been put back, so you can be like that. And there's no such thing as anger being good. Anger is not good. It is not good. But I hear that a lot. Anger is good. Or I have a righteous anger. No, you don't. It's so messed up. I'm so sorry about it. But it's so messed up. And some people have been so traumatized spiritually, religiously, that it's almost hard to turn it around. They, they just, and I know a lot of people try to overcome it. I see that. But it is so hard because it is so deep into it. And then they have been trained how to cover it up. Read the Bible. They'll cover it up. Read, go to church. They cover it up. Go in denial. They won't even, you've been trained not to even face yourself. And that's bad, too. We have been so conditioned. That's why it's so hard to find free people. It is finding free people today is like looking for a needle in a haystack. 
free, just absolutely free in the world, but not of it. You have friends, but you can take it or leave it. You have kids, you can deal with them perfectly. You deal with your enemy, enemy perfectly. It's hard to find that, all in the name of Jesus. I sometimes wonder, why did Jesus even bother? God had to know that we were going to be having this much problem with folks. <laughs> he had to know. But yet he loved us so much, and he loved us so much, that he never gives up on us. Isn't that nice? And as children of God, that's how we should be with others. I, had, I know um, I was talking to this couple recently, and the wife, husband, is a Christian man. Really, just holy. I just know the word. All into it, right? And she would tell me that her husband won't keep his word. But yeah, he said he's holy. He's walking on cloud nine. But he would tell her that he's going to do something and won't do it. And then, well, how come you didn't keep your word? At least let me know. Said, oh, that's my worst problem. How are you going to be walking on water and don't keep your word? You know what I'm saying? Am I wrong? You know, that's your example. Keeping your word is your example. That's, that's what says that you're doing the right thing. You are walking on cloud nine. And if you don't have the answer, you, you let her know. I don't know yet. I'll let you know. But it's, it's something wrong with the way we're living, folks. And kids are suffering. Some of the kids told me that they were on, oh, it was so sad. Uh, a couple of them said they put me on pro, Prozac. That's what it is. And they said that I was, the school told me I was incapable of learning. And then they put me in a special class. And they're like, I don't feel that way, though. I don't feel like I can't learn. I don't feel like I need special needs. But they have done that to me. And I'm like, well, what about your parents? Don't your parents have something to say about it? They're like, no, because my parents turned me over to the government. So I'm awarded, I'm an award of the court or social service, something like that. And But yet they live at home with the parents, but the, they're controlled by the courts. And so the, the, the government or somebody, and they write prescriptions for these kids. And, and some of these kids are young adults now, they're in their 20s. And the parents are making them take the Prozac for being retarded, and they're not even retarded. How do you let the government make you treat your own children like they're retarded? And these are Christian folks. Even if there is a law that says you have to do it, when I'm home, I wouldn't do it. And I tell my kids not to tell them. You know what I'm saying? You can work around this, but parents give in to that all in the name of Jesus, yet they say they believe in the Lord. Uh, this is my experience, and I'm here and delivered all these years. It's like children of God are suffering more than the children of the world, or about the same. Except the children of God are doing it in the name of Jesus. So if you're depressed, if you're worried, if you are afraid, if you are whatever, all you have to do is forgive. Deal with the folks you hated first, your parents. Forgive them, they couldn't help themselves. And everything will start to change immediately. Just like that. I know parents who are raising crazy children and in denial about it. The kids are becoming just like them. And you try to tell them about it, uh-uh, that's not my child. But I'm saying, look, your child is crazy already. But they look like you, they act like you, they walk like you. There's no difference between you and the children. <laughs> That's why I said there's no such thing as uh, crazy children but crazy parents. Because the children are the image of their parents. And the parents are the image of Satan, but they should be the image of God. I'm learning all this and it's blowing my mind. What? <laughs> Everybody mighty quiet. Anybody disagree with that? Ain't that something, though? This is why we're losing the battle. We're losing our country, the government taking over, everything, because of this. We're, the Christians are living in sin. 
and don't even know that they can overcome it, don't know that Christ has conquered it, and that we are supposed to be great warriors of life. Not just warriors of the Constitution, not just warriors of illegal aliens, or whatever they're supposed to deal with, but warriors of life. We're supposed to be winning in life with our families, with our friendships, with our work, with our life, with our health, with our mind. We're supposed to be winning. But no, I know parents who know what's right, but yet they will spoil their kids. They would let their kids rip them off over and over and over and over again. And they would say, oh, I can't help it. I just don't want to see them suffer. But you're making them suffer. You are causing them to suffer by not letting them get over it. Anyway, I'm done with my little tirade. <laughs> One of the days, maybe God going to have me write about this. Maybe I can write it better than I can say it. But I do want you to know, from my own lifestyle as a witness, you can have perfect peace right here, right on earth, right now. The kingdom of heaven is inside of us. You don't need medication. You don't need marijuana. So don't go to the doctor and get an excuse for marijuana. You don't need to be angry. You don't need to be unhappy. You can just live. You really can just live. And be just as happy as a lark. Whatever that is. I think that's a bird. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. I heard it all my life. But, yes, sir. Uh, you were talking about cover-ups earlier as you started. Oh, yeah. Let me ask that, re-ask that. What do you cover up your pain with? Um, food. <laughs> of course. And my loves. And your what? Loves, pursuits, things that I like to do. Like what? I like investing. Investing? Yeah. <laughs> and you're doing that to cover up your pain? Well, I like it because I like it, but I think it's also used to some extent is that I noticed last night that um, everything I kind of want to do, let's say I want to eat better. I can eat better as long as it's, I'm not real hungry. Then I can choose to eat with a good meal. Right. If I'm real hungry, I will automatically choose the bad food. Right. Um, if I'm into my pursuits, uh, instead of going to bed at the right time, pray at the right time, the, the choose the pursuit uh, as the default. It just, I mean, in other words, when I'm really into it or when I'm really hungry or whatever you want to say, it, the same so-called choice is made every single time. Yeah. And that is to uh, go after the pursuit, the food, the whatever the cover-up may be. And how do you know for sure you covered up pain? Well, I... I, I I guess maybe I don't know 100% with everything that I'm doing because I don't know always the difference between legitimate interests and cover-up. But okay. I, I do think that they sometimes can, I, I think sometimes legitimate interests can go into the realm of cover-up. It becomes kind of all-consuming, more important than God. Okay. You know, he was talking earlier about the Ten Commandments, and I thought, wow, you know, the first commandment, it should not have any gods before me. Yeah, I'm like, I'm breaking the first one to start with, so I don't need to go to one, two through n n <laughs> ten, pretty much. Yeah. Because sometimes it just, I mean, I can just see that's what I'm doing. Now, I'm not, there's part of me that doesn't want to do that. You know, there's part of me that definitely wants the truth, but the, the desire for my own pursuits and for pain cover-up, when push comes to shove, I guess what I'm trying to say is always... That one is the one that always gets number one. Yeah. Okay. Just automatically. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. What do you use to cover up your pain? It, yeah. Um, work. Use work. Okay. And how do you know that you use work? Um, it's really simple because when I feel powerless about something and you feel painful about that, yes. some situations in life that you just 
feel that you cause trouble for someone or you cause pain or whatever, the answer is very easy. <laughs> you know, go to the office and uh, figure out a way to do another deal. And, and one of the and other... So why you're doing this, you know I'm going to the office right now because I'm having pain. If I catch so myself... I'm going to go and get caught in my, up in my work. Yeah, <laughs> if I catch myself, I don't. You, I'm sorry? If I catch myself doing that yes. for that reason, then yeah. I don't. Right. And I'll just sit there and feel stupid. <laughs> yeah. And feeling stupid kind of works sometimes because yes, then all of a sudden you realize, well, you know, maybe I am stupid. This but is why it's so important. Our theme this year is renewing of the mind from within. You've got to get to know yourself because the things I'm talking about now, I, I didn't know these things way back then, you know. But as I grow, as God has guided me, as I seek him first, I'm seeing these things. One of the most interesting things about work is that um, uh, there's there's, there's two things about it. One of them is work is my excuse to do something that I know I should do. Um, Working out, exercise. It's so that I am in better shape at work and can handle the stress. Um, Yeah. so that's the other part is that work you can work can take so many different facets that you can be doing it all day. You can be on your iPhone yep. doing uh, something online because it has something to do with work with your clients with whatever. And I furthermore, I chose a I chose a field where it's essentially endless. You could actually spend all day doing it. Wow! So I think Satan invented. The iPhone. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it, it's <laughs> activity. Did. It's true. I see activity people like this you. all the time now. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? They're getting on the airplane like this. The more, I mean, walking down the road like that, the more, everywhere, just like that all the time. Yeah, frenetic activity, right? Yeah. yeah you can. That's Satan invention. Really to take you away from yourself. So now that you know this, what are you going to do about it? Well, I, I, I frankly don't mind feeling stupid more often. I hate oh, to say okay. it that way, but it, you really feel that way. And then you Do you start, pray? Uh, yeah, every day. You pray all the time? Not all the time, every day. Every morning? Yeah. yeah. Every morning? Yep. Every morning? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, you got to stay with prayer. No, that helps a lot. Um, and that keeps the mind from trying to grab... It's funny to watch, but your mind actually t- tries to grab your problem yep. and say, I'm going to solve this. And That's right. You just got to kind of say, shut up. That's right. You know, those kind of things. And then, um, but, but in my case, it's being willing to feel like, okay, so I can't figure this out. Somebody else can. And you're going to take some abuse for it, especially if people are used to you being the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're, they're competing with you, and they're noticing that you're not the smartest guy that day. And so you have to do that, but there's also there's also something else. Um, you have to um, you ha- you have to there's a you have to plug into something very different, and I don't know what that is. I can't I don't find a nice word to call it that. Yes. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's a Holy Spirit. I don't know what it is, but you have to plug in to something that you know you kind of it's you kind of catch a wave at the beach. And you've it, not been able to do that yet, right? I, I have. Uh, there are times when I do that. I don't do it all the time. And, the, you know, oh. but there are times when all of a sudden it's like you catch something and things turn out okay and you didn't do any of it. Uh, those, are, those moments do happen. And yeah. you have to have faith that they will. And they will, too. Um, and those moments should be happening more often than not. Well, they happen more often than they used to. Yeah. And as you grow there, get, get there, too. Let me just ask, and I, you've talked about your, your son relationship. Have you been able to let him go completely? Um, it's easier than I ever thought. You have done it? Yes. Completely? Yes. So you don't, are you at the point where you don't feel sorry for him anymore, too? Um, um, not totally. Okay, so you haven't comp- let go I guess completely. I guess not. Yeah. I do feel a certain amount of pain, but I do. It's, it's remarkably less than it used to be. Yeah. Because... Uh, all I have to do is remind myself of all the things I did trying to fix the problem. And you see how crazy that all it is? All it is is one pound in and five pounds out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what comes out isn't good. I'm telling you. Uh, everything you try. Uh, but so that's true. The more interesting part is how hard 
he tries, when yeah. he starts to sense that, in fact, it really is happening. Yes. And all of a sudden, the, 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 uh, he, get, he amps up the pressure, the, the calls, that sort of thing. But no, zip. And, and the cleverness, the intelligence, the, the, uh, yes. the, the unbelievable creativity that comes with that. When you spoil your kids like that, you cause them to become addicted to you like that, you're training them how to manipulate you. And you don't even realize it. Because instead of learning how to be independent, they're learning how to manipulate. That's and it, then it, when you it, get to yeah. a point where you want to let go, you realize, wow, I made an awful mistake here. My child is getting worse instead of better. And then you try to save them and save them, they get worse and worse. They have learned how to, and they see you pulling away, it's like a drug addict pulling away, a provider pulling away, and then they become even more clever in how they can manip manipulate that to put guilt on you. They'll say some awful things about you, anything to get you to yeah. Or anything that they know you will want to hear or yeah, they will anything you want to hear. the words that you used with them. They'll use your own words back to you, Yeah. and nothing is more pleasing to the ego than <laughs> hearing their own words coming right back. Yesterday I used to say to you, well, Dad, I started my business this week. <laughs> I, I really I got all this And I was so I, happy. And then you all happy, jumping up and down. And then you say, well, I only need $50. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't just 50 but yeah. Yeah, more than 50 yeah, I didn't want that, to say. That, no, it has been easier to let Good, go. Good, I'm so glad. But, um, but it doesn't mean that I'm immune from seeing the effects of, of the, what's going to happen to him. I mean, right. I mean, seeing somebody suffer is never... Uh, a pleasant thing. When in reality, seeing somebody suffering is not your business. What do you mean? Someone suffering is now the business of that person and God. If that person decides to cry out to God, it's not your business because if you make it your business, there's a great temptation to go and save them from their suffering. <laughs> Making my business, I mess up the business. Yeah, you but messed up the business, but it's not your business to save the business. I never thought of it that way. That's it's interesting... your business to apologize for being wrong, repent and change your ways, but it's not your business to stop the suffering of the person you messed up. So when you talk about parents setting the tone for their own children, yeah. uh, there's no question that I was imitating my own father's behavior. Without a doubt with my kids yes and there were many things that he would do that i didn't realize were perhaps spoiling perhaps uh, unreasonable yes sir um and i would try to do the same thing to somebody that's completely not me that's right uh, somebody else that yes. has a whole different set of circumstances that you can't apply that that's right um and and at the same time i knew that the pressures that i got from my parents were were yes. in fact injurious. That's why I say our first love is our first hate. <laughs> yeah. Our first love is our parents, and our first hate is our parents. But this thing about somebody else's suffering is not my business is a little new to me. i gotta, I got to kind of let that settle see, in. You're only making it your business because it's your child. Now you see what you're doing. Well, somebody else, I, I wouldn't. You wouldn't care. At all. Right. And, and, but see, with this one, it's your child. You created this person by making them that way. Now you see their suffering. But now you judge yourself for making them that way, which makes you feel like you need to save them or you just can't stand to see them right. suffer, right? All of that. So All you of that. get in the way of them and God, for, you know, you prevent them from crying out to God by saving them. You so you steal the problem rather than just realizing that you were wrong, apologize for it, and get out of the way. Yeah. You think you're getting in the way between the devil and him, but. But you're not. They're fact. already the devil, they got the devil from you. Yeah. All right. And so now the devil want to come back and save under the head of daddy. If you truly loved him, you would get out of his way. Well, that's, I'm doing it. Yeah, I had to do that with my son. I had to get out of his way because I had messed him up. I just know that everything I do makes it worse. And Every I knew it was my fault. And I and Satan would use it. I was guilty, and he would use that against me. Now you could do this to save him. Give him money. Give him a place to live. Give him that. And I'm like, this is not working. So I finally said, you know what? I'm sorry for what I've done. I, I, I was wrong. But you should forgive me so you can go free. And it took them years to forgive me, but I, I threw him out, let him suffer. And now he appreciates it. Hmm. Because now he's crying out to God and finding his own way. Yep. I couldn't save him. I was the guilty party. 
And so you got to get out of his way. You made that problem. You can't save it. You just need to repent, apologize, and get out of the way. That makes sense? It's working. Yeah, good. Working for me. Let, and that's where it should be. Let me ask. And here are some things I wrote down that I want to, you to think about. The question is, what do you cover your pain with? And, oh, let me just ask this question for the record. Just FYI, because I want you to know for yourself, because God is with all of us. He really is. And God is just waiting for us to realize of ourselves we can do nothing. So why judge yourself? Why be mad at self? Why be mad at anyone else? You are not in control anyway, right? And so when I say pain, what are you using to cover up your pain? Um, what am I talking about? It's not a classroom. You don't get an A. We're like fellowshipping. That's all we're doing. Yes, sir. Um, to me, I think of uh, that anxiety or that angst that you have when you don't want to face yourself or those quiet moments where, you know, where you don't want to fa face yourself, that anxiety within, the conflict within. Okay. That's what you think of when I say, what are you using to cover your pain? Uh, you about to ask, okay, right here. What am I talking about when I say, what do you use to cover your pain up? Well, I used to use running away from the house because I felt anxiety, and I just had to get out, go anywhere, but sit there. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so when I say pain, what am I talking about? Well, it's, to me, it was like an anxiety, and it was like I got to okay. get out. I see what you're saying. You're about to ask me a question, so I ask you before you ask. What are, when I say, what are you using to cover up your pain, what am I talking about? The pain. When I say pain, what am I talking about? Oh, um, well, the pain that I have is um, the pain of not being able to do what I see to do, you know, what I should be doing. And it could be anything, you know, simple to, you know, um, Time to get up, time to do, you know, and you just let that go by and you just, or you just watch TV when you should be doing something else. So it's that uncomfortable, you know, I, I don't have the motivation to do something, so mm -hmm. then I'll just use any other pleasure to kind of, you know, distract me from the fact that I'm failing to respond. When I, when I ask what are you using to cover up your pain, I'm really asking what are, what are you using to cover up your ego? The not you that has made a home in you and it feels like pain. Because it's the ego that's feeling the pain, but because you're so identified with the ego, you're thinking that it's you that's feeling the pain. And so as a result of thinking that it's you that's feeling this pain, you protect it by looking for things to cover it up with so that you would feel better. But I'm really talking about what are you using to cover up your ego, that thing that has separated you from God. Excuse me, uh, something going on. That's what I'm talking about. But most people think that their pain is really them. They have identified with that. And if you ever come to the understanding that what you think and feel is not you, it's just a disease, for the lack of a better word, a sin, whatever you want to call it, a, a, a spirit that has made a home inside of this body, and it's just working your mind and your body and making you feel pain in your body. It has nothing to do, the real you don't feel pain. The real you that's, lying, that's sitting back underneath the ego is all love. It's all compassion, because that real you is a, a, a bit of God. We are created in the image of God. So the real you is nothing but love. God is love. That's why when you allow the ego to die without covering up with anything, you finally come to who you really are, and you are all love. You are no pain. You are no anxiety. You are no worry. You are no anything. You're just all love. 
but you have identified with something that you think is you. Paul said, this thing made a home in me, and it makes me do the things I don't want to do. That's not you. But you are so traumatized spiritually and identified with it that it just feels like you. You just can't believe that it's not you. It tells you what to do. It makes you look at other people and tell you how awful they are. It makes you hear things that are not being said or done and see things that's not done. It's weird. It, it's not you, but you're covering that up, thinking that it is you. And here are some of the ways that people cover it up. Then I'll take your hand. And I realized this last Sunday. Like never before in the history of my life, some people use the knowledge of good and evil to cover up their ego. To cover up the not them that's made a home inside of them. And here's how they do it. Because the, the sin, the problem that happened when Adam ate the apple, he already knew good, but once he ate the apple, he became aware of evil. So now he had the knowledge of both, and so he started to measure life on what he had learned, the good stuff, and then the evil. He said, oh, this is evil, this is good, the knowledge of it, but not the spirit of it anymore. And so he would measure his life on that. And, and, oh, if he, if he had sex out of wedlock. He'll look at this knowledge that he learned, you should not have sex out of wedlock, right? And so he'll say, oh, I should not have sex out of wedlock. I hate myself. I'm so guilty. I hate myself. I can't believe I did it. But it's just based on the knowledge of good, which is covering up his ego. But if he didn't have that knowledge of good, but had the presence of God operating at all times, he wouldn't judge himself like that or herself. And they would just see that as wrong and get over it. Because seeing that as wrong causes you to repent without having to judge yourself. And then that thing tell you, it's not you judging you, it's God judging you. Oh, God don't love me. I've sinned. He does love you. That's why he came and saved you from sin. But this knowledge of that makes you think that God is judging you when it's really you have this image of good, the Bible, you read the Bible, you know all the scriptures, you heard the preacher, and now you're judging yourself, or your parents have taught you this stuff. Now you're judging your own life. People are addicted to that. Love and sex and alcohol and drugs, the favorite one. <laughs> it's, the, it's the first one that most people run to. Not all, but most. Because some people are hung up on the knowledge of good. So when that ego pain comes up, the first thing they want to do is smoke a joint or pop a pill or whatever that you use for it to cover up the ego, cover up the not you. Um, partying. People cover up the not them with partying because if you're addicted to partying, you can miss a weekend from partying and, and, and have stress, thinking that you missed something. But you don't know that stress is your ego crying out for that. The other thing is church. I used to go to a church, and I was told that I had to be there every Sunday. If I did somehow or another, my week wasn't going to work, work out, you know? So if I didn't go to church, I just knew I was going to have a rough week. And lo and behold, my week was rough. But if I went to church, it would be fine until about Thursday, Friday, because my mind was telling me it was fine. I would cover up my pain that way. Uh, the first love, our parents. Our parents is our first love, and they're our first hatred. We cover up the ego pain by not facing that. Because it hurt you to admit to your parents that you resent them. It's hurt knowing that you resent your pain, so you cover that up too, rather than facing it. And two more, there are thousands I can go on and on. Uh, counseling. I know people who have come to me for counseling. They're like stressed out. Oh, I got so much pain. Nobody loved me, and I don't love nobody. Oh, nobody loved me. Uh, you know, just whatever, right? And they're like, they're like stressed out, really feeling the anxiety, right? And then they'll come to me, and I, I'm thinking of a particular male right now, no one else. And, and I just talk, I call this male up, this person up, and ask, well, why don't I see you at church? I haven't seen you at church lately. 
well, I got to go to a birthday party. No, they said, well, week before last was my birthday. This week is somebody else's birthday. And this coming week is some kid's birthday. And I'm like, all these birthdays are happening at 11 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> I'm like, you're a grown man. You don't need to be at no 11 o'clock birthday. Your spiritual life is more important than these stupid birthdays. Because these birthdays, these people don't care about you, and you don't care about them, and you know it. And I said, that's why you find yourself alone, and you're stressed out, and anxiety come up. And the person was like, what are you going to accept what I was saying? What are you talking about? Oh, you're not right about that. And I know that I'm right because I was counseling this person. But they would come in for counseling, and they would feel better about themselves, and they would go back out and do the same thing over because they have covered up that ego pain. Now they think all is well, and they get right back into what they were doing rather than going to God, staying with prayer, overcoming that ego so you can do things in the right way. Counseling mess with people. They, they will use you for counseling in order to cover up the ego pain. Isn't that something? And I never thought of counseling being that way. But it is. Because I noticed that they, when they're like out of it, they realize it ain't what they thought it was with their friends and work and all that kind of stuff. They'll come to me for counseling. But as soon as I make them feel better, then they go back into the world. So you got to be aware of this ego stuff you're covering up and what you're using it to cover it up with. And you got to relax and take the ego pain. And I'm telling you, the more you practice doing that, after a while, it becomes natural. So when Satan comes to you with some hatred, some lies, some anger, you'll just naturally relax in it, and it'll pass. It really will pass. God will cause it to happen. And all of these things that I'm talking about, only God can change them. Of ourselves, we can do nothing. We can't make ourselves repent. We can't make ourselves forgive. We can't, we can't do any of that. There's nothing we can do at all. And the more you seek first the kingdom of God and take this pain that's not you, those thoughts that's not yours, you'll start to become free from them. But you've got to endure the pain instead of covering it up. Some people gossip about others. It's amazing. I know people who don't, they hate being talked about, but they talk about everybody and their mama all the time. And I'm like, you're so judgmental, but yet you hate to be judged. But they're covered up that ego pain. They don't, they don't realize they need to feel it and let it die. you got to die from that not you in order to live. It's the way it is. Now, you can play this game and lie to yourself and corrupt your children and corrupt your own life and be miserable. It's up to you because God's not going to force you to do it. He's not going to hold it against you. He's not going to force you. He's made the way. It's up to you. And nobody else can do it for you. It's you. I got to get up and pray for myself every morning at night. And now I'm learning to be pray all day, be in a, in, a, in a mindset of prayer. It's on me. Nobody else can give it to you. None of these things that you're using to cover up this not you is going to help you. Anyway, yes, ma'am, real fast. No, I was just, uh, the, the bottom line is it's the lie. You know, we just believe the lie. Yes. And it, Satan and it, is a liar. He's promised that he's going to deceive every man, woman, and child. He made that promise. And lo and behold. One other thing I want to add, I, I know people who use politics to cover up the pain. They, uh, they're into the Constitution. They're into whatever, fighting this and fighting that cause. And their kids' lives are going to hell in a handbasket. I, I know somebody or some people who kids are suffering. I'm like, why don't you spend time with your children? I don't have time for that. I've done all I can do. I got to go and protest. I'm like, are you a fool? How are you going to put protesting before your children? Your kids need you too. You have to balance them. But the protesting look good in the eyes of other people. And so they'd rather look good in the eyes of other people and let their kids suffer. So they'll put that in the place of the ego pain. Isn't that something? Yes. I'm sorry. No, that, that was it. I mean, the more oh. I thought about it, if, if that voice came in my head and just starts to, you know, 
I start to listen to it and I go, wow, what is the bottom That's line? Right. It really is just a lie. It's a lie. Your voice, this voice inside your head that's not you, is never going to tell you the truth about anything, anybody or anything. Whether it's telling you something that seems to be good or the lie, let me go here real fast, it's never going to tell you the truth about anything. Wait in the back. I, I wish you could get that. How do you yeah. know it's not ever telling you the truth? Because there is no truth in it. And the way you can test it, don't do anything about it. When it tells you something, just watch it and feel the pain of, what, you know, of there. Do nothing. Take no action, and you will see. You got to let it happen so you can, it can be revealed to you, so you can see for yourself. Because by someone telling us these things, it's not going to do it. So by resisting it, I'll eventually start noticing it? Yes. Absolutely. And the way you resist it is just relax in it. Now, and you're going to feel like, like you want something to hold on to. You know, because when you relax in it, you don't have anything to hold on to. You don't have your whatever you use, right? And it feels like you're failing because you've got to hold on to something, but don't hold on to anything. And then you're trusting God and you will get to know. God's way is nothing like what we've been taught. That's a problem, too. You got to let go and let him relax in it and, and do nothing. You'll start to see it. Once you start to get the glimpse of that, you're on your way. It gives you the courage to try it again, try it again, try it again. It really does. It really, 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 I want to boo-hoo, it really does. Yes? Yeah, uh, the truth. Like she said, how do you know uh, you're not, it's not telling you the truth? But you know what? It will tell you the truth. But the thing is, if you listen to it, it'll tell you a lie mixed no, with the truth. It will never tell you the truth. It'll you tell you about so. an incident that happened in the past, so you can hate it now. And that incident, he'll make that incident look like it's true and it's real. But when you wake up, nothing is what you've been taught. It's always a lie. It's an illusion because when you wake up and you go through stuff, you don't take it personally. You don't judge yourself. You don't judge. But it'll make you judge yourself by bringing up an incident and if you believe it then it become true is it that maybe i noticed and before i no i noticed right away in my heart that that's what it is and then it added on yeah that's a truth you know like it it had it gave you the answer let's say you Could went out that? and stole let's say you stole fifty dollars from pat the other day mm -hmm. and and you didn't tell pat and so it'll tell you oh you stole that money from patrick he knows it and you're like, oh, my God, he should. <laughs> well, there's a camera around or something, right? And so it'll make you feel guilty for, for that. And so, yes, it's true you stole the money, but the outcome doesn't have to be that way. You know, you can either go and apologize or get the money back or realize you were wrong, don't do it again. But if you judge yourself with that incident that it is reminding you of, you will repeat it. But if you can just see it and not judge it, then you won't repeat it. And that's where the problem is. You keep judging your actions rather than observing your action. And it makes you do it over and over again because you're playing God separated from the true God. You have no right to make any decisions about anything. You have no right to judge anything, yourself or anybody else. You're not given that right to do that. That's what messes you up. Don't judge yourself for being wrong. Just see that you're wrong. And don't see that you're wrong based on the knowledge of good and evil. You know right from wrong. Just say, oh, that's, you know. Well, don't just say that, because if I say, oh, just say that, then you start just saying that, it won't be real. But just don't judge yourself. It's not you in control of anything. And that's the thing. If you stop listening to this, you'll stop judging yourself. Then you could be free. God is not judging you like that. Yes, ma'am. Oh, let me do this. We're running out of time. I need your tithing and offering, folks. We definitely need your financial support. So if you like what you're hearing and you're getting help from it, uh, make a donation by going to barninfo.org or calling 1-800-411-2663, 800-411-BOND. And uh, your tithing and offering. Also, if you need counseling, we do counseling around the country by phone if you can't come into the office. Just call in and make an appointment. But what I really want to encourage you to do, folks, when you pray, 
Learn to just sit still and know him. Get rid, forget about repeating what you've learned, you know, when you pray. Is this all mamo, mamo, mamo? Uh, just, you got to just, God is right now, right here. Freedom is right here, right now. You got to let go of all this learning and brainwashing and stuff that we've been taught, and then we're using it to create more pain for ourselves. And forgive. But you can't do it on your own. Just know that you need to forgive and relax, and God will cause you to forgive. Then you shall be free. It's a spiritual thing. Everything we do is spiritual. Everything. So you need to be still and allow God's spirit to work through you. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you guys and ladies for coming. I do appreciate it. For more information, to purchase a copy of this program, or to make a donation, visit us on the web at bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-2663. That's 1-800-411-BOND. You're already home.